This is season four of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. On today's show, we're going to do some geography, sports, history, and inventions. Oh, yeah. Plus, we'll open up the mailbag and news from around the world. Totally useless information. It's everything you never needed to know. Here we go. Welcome to episode seven. Innovations. Ideas. The Totally Useless Information Podcast presents Inventions. That was so Oprah. Welcome to episode seven. God, episode seven, season four. Wow. Where the heck did the time go? Uh, You have an iPhone, don't you? Uh, It's my phone, not iPhone. iPhone, yes, it's you phone. Me phone. (laughs) Me phone you on Zoom. Uh, um, Who phone? Who phone (laughs) me? Italian iPhone. Who phone? Who phone? (laughs) (laughs) For those Gavones, it's who phone. So now you're down in Florida and it gets really hot. So don't you wish you had an invention that will keep you cool while you're on your phone? Uh, Yeah, sure. Well, guess what? (laughs) There's actually an iPhone fan. This is a fan that's capable of plugging into your Apple iPhone. The gadget is tiny and a little bit crazy, but you know how else are you gonna like browse your device and keep cool at the same time? So if you're hot and bothered, which is most of us, use the iPhone fan. Not to plug Target, but I think I saw it at Target. So <laughs> okay, there you go. Available at Target. <laughs> Alexander Fleming, the father of penicillin, was a pig. No, not actually a pig. He was oh. a person. Okay. His lab was always a mess. He was disgusting. They said this guy was the biggest pig when it came to his laboratory. He left one time and went on vacation. When he returned, he noticed that the bacteria had grown all over his dirty Petri dishes, which he never cleaned. <laughs> Except for one thing. The bacteria did not grow where the mold was that he didn't clean off. And so he realized that the mold could protect against bacteria, and thus he invented penicillin. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. <laughs> what, what was what was his name again? His name was Alexander the Pig Fleming. Fleming. So he always had to clear his throat. <laughs> Fleming. So how about an intelligent umbrella? There's a smart umbrella that lets you know when it's raining. Sounds pretty pointless. Because if you have an umbrella, chances are it's raining, isn't it? Like if you're using it. Uh, so Unless you just like it or, or you're English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cheerio. So it notifies you if it's going to rain, which is kind of cool. The umbrella also has the ability to share data with other smart umbrellas for cloud searching data to ensure that it is actually accurate. Constantine Falberg and Ira Remsen were studying coal tar derivatives they were working with coal tar they took a dinner break they said god we're we're very tired from working with all this coal tar Uh so let's go take a dinner break well they did and they noticed that they were eating and the meal tasted awfully sweet Mm. it wasn't until they noticed that the dust on their hands from the coal tar derivative that they were working with was making their food very sweet And they said, let's patent this right away. And they called it saccharin. 
Wow, that's amazing. Now, then you wonder why saccharin was taken off the market as a carcinogenic, uh, cancer-causing product when it was a derivative of coal tar. <laughs> <laughs> that would do uh, it. I'll take uh, a Big Mac, French fries, and a quart of petroleum uh, on top of it. Thank you. <laughs> yes, it goes. It goes down a lot smoother. It slides down easier. Hey, are do you steam clean your garbage cans? I no, I don't even clean my garbage cans because garbage goes in them. Okay, <laughs> when was the last time you wrapped your wet kitchen? This is going to sound awesome. Uh, when was the last time you wrapped your wet kitchen scraps in newspaper before you took them out to the curb? I say to my wife, you cooked it, you take it out. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I've heard that before. I wonder where. Uh, thanks to three Canadians, they invented the sturdy household garbage bag. Mm. In the 1950s, Frank Plomp, Harry Weslick, and Larry Hansen all seemed to have created their own version of the garbage bag. A very flexible plastic polyethylene. Can you imagine if they used all three of their names? It would be the Wesson Hassan Plunken. Right. But instead, <laughs> Union Carbide, the big company, later marketed the bags under the Glad brand. Glad garbage bags. But thanks mm. to three Canadians, a new, tough, flexible plastic called a polyethylene. I knew a girl that like that once. Her name was Polyethylene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. She, and she got around. She was slightly overweight. She got around. No, she was hefty. <laughs> she was hefty. <laughs> hefty garbage bag. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, <laughs> not, not at all. That seems to be like our disclaimer for everything. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with it. There's a lot wrong with us. I'm totally yeah. useless information with Nick and Roy. Yeah, and go to uh, nickandroy.com if you want to leave us an email, which we'll get to later on in the show. But nickandroy.com, you can listen to all the old shows. But there's 70-something. Yeah. It's crazy. 57 countries now in the world. And counting. Unbelievable. Thomas Adams, the famous Adams man, from okay, the, was working. Me, was with, he from the Adams family? Yeah. Da, 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 da. Okay. Thomas Adams, not to be... Um, mistaken with gomez adams <laughs> was working was working with sap from the chickle tree oh he was um doing some some work with the sap trying to figure out if he could get a better plastic out of it or use it for that stuff function and he decided to put a piece in his mouth and began to chew it and realized gee this is fun and he kept chewing it and realized that if you put a flavor to it, it'd be even better. And he invented the Adams Chewing Gum Company, the first mm. chewing gum on the market. And so you have chiclets, Adams Chiclet from the Chickle Tree. That is amazing. That's pretty good. He was a great masticator. Yes. Oh, yeah. He loved to masticate all by himself. Well, what a great segue this is. I call this one playing with yourself. You got to hand it to him. Yeah. In order for, for this next invention, in order for this to work, you need to have, you need to hope for a good hand. Mm-hmm. Klondike is the most played solitaire variation. The mm -hmm. card game rose to fame. It rose to fame in the late 19th centuries and is named after a region of the Yukon Territory in Northwest Canada. 
famous for the Klondike Gold Rush between 1896 and 1899. No, it wasn't the Klondike ice cream bar. What would you do for a Klondike bar? Uh, between 1896 and 1899 and so the klondike version of solitaire is the most played version of solitaire and thanks to microsoft when they came up with windows solitaire was one of the most popular games on the computer well you want to hear something silly sure why start now james wright was working for general electric right and his task was to find a cheap alternative to rubber for tank treads for the military so he mixed some silicone and boric acid together, and he decided, ah, that's a failure. That doesn't do really anything. Except he starts stretching it and playing with it. And just like the chiclet guy, he said, this is pretty fun. He said, that's silly, though. And it is. Silly putty. Silly putty. Look out. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> right on. What was that? Stretch Armstrong. Remember that, that toy as a kid? Stretch Armstrong. Yeah, speaking of Stretch Armstrong, uh, playing with yourself. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. A major fire broke out at the Fox Film Studios in New Jersey. Hmm. Flammable nitrate film that had previously contributed to several fires in the film industry. In Little Ferry, gases produced by decaying film combined with high temperatures and inadequate ventilation, they believe, resulted in spontaneous combustion. That's what happens in my bathroom just about every (laughs) night. (laughs) Spontaneous combustion. The fire, unfortunately, destroyed 75% of their movies, including most of their silent films. What? No, go ahead. No, I, 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 didn't, I don't think I've heard this before. Including <laughs> most of the silent films. Well, could you imagine? So these were hot movies. Literally, they were hot movies. 75% of their movies were destroyed in a fire. You said this was Fox Studios? Fox Film Studios in Little Ferry, New Jersey. Sure. So they had loads of film in there that probably got destroyed. And boom. Yeah. Yeah. During World War II, a great Dane named Juliana was awarded the Blue Cross Medal for extinguishing an incendiary device. An incendiary device, of course, is a bomb. Right. Yes. Juliana ran over to the incendiary device and peed on it. Disabling the device and saving hundreds in the troops. You know, she they, they could have used her in New Jersey in 1937. When they gave her the award, they said, this is to a real pisser. <laughs> <laughs> and she was pissed and left the room. When the news leaked out. No. <laughs> yes, it did. Wow. She, and also, she also stars in a book. The book was called Yellow River by I.P. Daly. <laughs> Welcome once again to the fourth grade. Uh, he, <laughs> he, he trained astronauts and founded a new science. Eugene yeah. Shoemaker was one of the 20th century's great minds. His work impacted craters, affected everything from NASA's Apollo missions to the dinosaur extinction debate. For his contributions to human knowledge, he was awarded the National Medal of Science by then-President George H.W. Bush in 1992. 
He had nothing better to do. No, he didn't. A different honor eluded him, though. Shoemaker studied the moon from afar, but he often dreamed of climbing into a spacesuit and walking on its surface. Mm. Sadly, he never got to do that. Addison's disease crushed his hopes of becoming an astronaut. In 1997, some of his ashes, after he passed away, were laid to rest near the moon's southern pole. That made him the first and so far the only person to ever receive a lunar burial. How cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Great tribute. And very nice. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, like, and, and I'm sure that when they did that, they had a, a recording of Jackie Gleason going, To the moon! <laughs> <laughs> to the moon, Eugene. It is believed now that Alexander the Great was buried alive which would make him Alexander the Unlucky. He had a disease called Julian Barry syndrome, which can momentarily paralyze and place you into a coma-like state. And then, of course, maybe an hour later, you come too. But they didn't have time for that. They were like, oh, Alexander's dead. Long live the king. Out. Out. Boom. They buried him. He was probably still alive. Oh. Mm-hmm. And he's laying there and he's going, oh, great. Remember we had a um, uh, a fact on about the bell inside the coffins, the coffin bell? Oh, that's right. So yeah. that, that if they were alive, they could ring it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that's terrible. And that's I think we also sang in that episode, ring my bell. Mm-hmm. No, we did? did I want to play with my ding-a-ling. Thank you. Okay. Uh, legend has it, King Umberto I of Italy... And Queen Margarita of Savoy were visiting Naples around 1889. Naples, Italy, not Naples, Florida, which is near where Roy is residing. Luckily for pizza history, the queen became sick after eating rotten food, which is when she requested to dine on traditional Italian food. Technically, it was the first pizza delivery ever. Cool. The slogan (laughs) was pizza in 30 minutes or the delivery boy gets killed. (laughs) (laughs) now the queen's a crappy tipper too (laughs) she was yeah so your your peaches delivered in 30 minutes or you're beheaded a widespread belief says that in june 1989 the uh, pizzeria maker rafael esposito invented a dish called pizza margarita in honor of the queen of italy margarita of savoy the colors of the italian flag are red white and green tomato is red mozzarella is white and basil which is green, green yeah. and that's the margarita pizza. Yeah, that's pretty interesting too. Yeah, yeah. President, I love this one. President Zachary Taylor. Most people don't know who he is. No, but you know, I mean, this is gonna forever etch it in your mind. He died of a cherry overdose. Oh, yes. It's called severe gastro gastroenteritis so he had severe gastroenteritis he ate multiple pounds of cherries washed them down with lots and lots of good old-fashioned milk the combination of the two acids actually killed him he went into a severe fit of gastroenteritis and died what a tart 
<laughs> it's the pits. It is. Yeah. Life is a bowl full. What's the expression? Life is a bowl full of cherries. What am I doing with the pits? Because you're listening to totally useless information with Nick. You know what he could have used to what, cure that? What's Some that? Stem cells. <laughs> stem cells, yes. <laughs> wow. Um, Oxford University is older than the Aztec Empire. An article written by the professor of the Smithsonian Institute confirms that the University of Oxford predates several things that believed to be ancient. The idea is that you can still study at the university that's older than some ancient nations, and it predates you know, lots of. You lots do of know them. my son went there for a semester. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, he studied English law at Oxford. That's right. He's a very successful lawyer. So if you're down in the uh, in the Florida, so if you try area, to sue us, we'll get you back. We'll get you back. <laughs> so it's older than the Aztec Empire by almost 300 years, in fact. And Oxford's first ever courses were taught as early as 1096 and 1249. The instructors, Adam and Eve. <laughs> no i just made that up you're i think no. no i think not not whatsoever you're listening to totally useless information with nick and roy if you'd like to uh, get in touch with us i know you do but let me just tell them about how to reach us go to our website triple w nick and you mean all they have to do is go to nick and right simple website for two simple guys <laughs> and they go to nickandroy.com and then what happens you go to nickandroy.com and you can send us an email by clicking on contact us you go to nickandroy.com and you can download the latest episode you can go to nickandroy.com and you can uh, binge listen to all of our all of full library of useless information for plus answer you back we guarantee it yeah we answer you back because remember we're married we always answer back yeah, exactly. And you won't like what we say, but that's okay, too. During the Victorian period, it was very common when your relatives passed away because uh, photography was very expensive and they didn't want to waste that money on it. They waited for you to die. They dressed you up in your best that you had or borrowed clothing from others that if you didn't have good clothing, yeah. they yeah. dressed you all up dead and then posed you in chairs, propped you up with sticks and made you look like you were leaning on the house or whatever and took a couple of pictures so that they would have memories of you. Meantime, they probably sewed your eyes open so that you looked like you were. Wow. Unless, of course, you're Alexander the Great. And they go, no, oh I'm still alive. God. Oh, my God. Why would anybody want to do that? Leave I don't know. Poor dead people alone. Oh, my goodness. Boy, there's a stiff drink. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. And now for something completely useless. So earlier on the show, I talked to you about how you can play with yourself using by playing solitaire. Mm. Poker can be played with only two players. <laughs> it's called Heads Up. It's the name of the poker game where you only play with two players. Because you're thinking a poker game, you need at least three or four. But no, you can play with as little as two players, and it's called Heads Up. Oh, well, at least now we have two people involved. Before, it was getting a little boring with the single action. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if you play your cards right, literally, then 
<laughs> if you played your cards right, you could be single player but once again. Gee, I lost again. Now I'm down to my underwear. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I oh, that's another game. <laughs> I, I gotta I gotta find out where strip poker came from. That'll be interesting in a future show. As you're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy, as we mentioned, send us an email simply going to nickandroy.com. What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? This one I thought was just really great. And and we do. We read we read every piece of mail and we also do answer back everyone. We we make it a habit of doing that. So if you go to nickandroy.com, you leave us a, an email and we'll get back to you. But Bernice from Macon, Georgia. Bernice asks. Do you and Nick, she writes, thank you so much. She loves the show. She listens every week. She's heard every episode. Nice. And she wants to thank us because she says, you have made me a smarter person. And I said, wow, that's cool. And then she says, do you and Nick remember most of the information from the shows? And do you feel that it's made you smarter because it clearly has made me a smarter person? I honestly have to say that this show has made me maybe I, I don't know if I want to use the word smarter, but it certainly has made me a more interesting person because I have all kinds of crazy things to tell people that come off of this show and they absolutely love it and tell other people so yes i think it has made me smarter what about you nick well the only thing that the show has done is i didn't realize that um i I don't remember much of the information we've been doing now for 70 plus episodes the only fact i do remember is that the attention span of a goldfish is two seconds (laughs) (laughs) no the truth you you really you, you remember a lot of it we do, and it's not because I'm looking for information uh, specifically. So what will happen is I'll have a conversation with one of my coworkers at a radio station that I work at here in Toronto, and then we'll be talking about something, and then I would say, by the way, did you know that the housefly hums in the key of the F? Key of F, right. like, I, I key of F. I knew that, and that yeah. wasn't even one of mine. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing. Bernice. Thank you. That was a really, really great question. Thank you so much, and thank you, yes, and, and, and yes, we consider it. The uh, TUI University, the Totally Useless Information University, uh, <laughs> you're going to school. That's right. You've been schooled. Go to nickandroy.com and send us your email. What's in the mail? Sports. Play ball. play a lot of organs on this show mm-hmm. oh yeah. yeah yeah and usually like with the solitaire by ourselves but ken griffey jr mm-hmm. ken griffey jr hit three 630 home runs <laughs> hit three hit 600 that's me yeah hit 630 home runs and was of course an amazing baseball player he was so amazing that they named the chocolate bar after him jr uh one problem ken griffey jr was allergic to chocolate. (laughs) So he couldn't even try out his own chocolate bar. And he had to promote it, too, and make believe he was eating it. Oh, my 
gosh, that's, that's terrible. Horrible. <laughs> My goodness. They are delicious, absolutely delicious chocolate mm. bars. Two of the best offenses in the NBA during the 1983-84 season produced one of the wildest games in NBA history. It was December 13, 1983. The Detroit Pistons won the historic game in triple overtime, 186 to 184, which mm. is quite a high-scoring game for basketball. Wow. Isaiah Thomas led the way for Detroit with 47 points. For the Denver Nuggets, the opponent, Kiki Vandeweghe, scored a game-high 51 points <laughs> and lost the game. <laughs> <laughs> this guy can't, can't get it right. He scored 51 points. Right, and he still lost the game. And despite the historic score, so, you know, with basketball, there's that three-point line, and if you shoot the ball from beyond that arc, then you get three points. Yes. Each team finished with just one for two from the three-point range. Oh, my God. So that even increased the amount of baskets. That's right, because all the others were, uh, you know, two points or one point, depending on the free throws. But, yeah, so December 13, 1983. Wow. I don't like round ball. I like football. Pigskin. Yes. Well, round ball is baseball, basketball. Football is an oblong weird shape ball steve young the amazing nfl quarterback he was fantastic mm-hmm. he played college football of course at brigham young university and for a good reason he was gonna decide he was gonna go to north carolina they were wooing him like crazy but he said no i'm sorry i can't i have to go to brigham young because my great-grandfather was brigham young <laughs> <laughs> How amazing. His grandfather, Steve Young's grand- great-grandfather, was the Brigham Young. <laughs> How old was Brigham Young? I don't know, but uh, he was not Brigham old. He was Brigham, Brigham Young. Brigham Young, yes. Roger Federer is the Swiss professional tennis player. What a great player, huh? Roger That's Federer fantastic. still is. One of my favorites. He was ranked number six in the world by the Association of Tennis Professionals. He won over 20 Grand Slam men's single titles, an all-time record shared with Rafael Nadal. Mm-hmm. But here's an interesting fact. Oh, about- I met, by the way, Rafael Nadal. How was he? I met Rafael Nadal at his first professional game in um, Miami, Florida, uh, with my son, who was very young. It was the first professional tennis match he ever attended. And at the end of the match, he had won the match. And at the end of the match, he spoke no English. And he was so excited that we were one of his first autographs. And he didn't know what to do because he had never given an autograph before. Oh, wow. Really cool. And we have it till this day. Wonderful. By the way, you can type the word Federer entirely with your left hand. Oh, it's all on one side? F-E-D-E-R-E-R. Oh, wow. There you go. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it's really not much sport, but okay. Well, it's you a snuck sp- that in there. Well, I did because speak. Okay, <laughs> I should have said it this way. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Speaking we'll of Federer, did you know that you can type the entire word with your left hand? Yeah. All right. All right. In July of 1934, Babe Ruth hit his famous 700th home run. It's going, going, gone. It's out of the park, and one of the fans caught it. Yeah. Well, Babe was so excited that he hit his 700th home run that he ran over to the guy and said, I'll give you $20 to give me back that baseball. And the guy gladly gave him back the baseball and took the $20. 
that man's grandson would have been able to sell that ball for tens of thousands of dollars today. When interviewed, the grandson of that man said, what a jerk my grandfather was. (laughs) (laughs) And he wasn't even Brigham Young. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, the good old babe. Could you imagine Babe Ruth said, I'll give you 20 bucks, give me the ball back. And the guy said, sure. Oh, no, what a stupid mistake. My God, did he get hit with the ball on the head? I think so. That that would be the only explanation. Stupid. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the creator of Sherlock Holmes, played goalie for the Amateur Portsmouth Association Football Club. Now, not the NFL football club, but soccer, because in Europe they call uh, soccer football. And being that in the NFL, there's no goalies, but go ahead. Yeah. (laughs) We have goalposts, but no goalies. Okay. Which eventually became the Portsmouth professional team that won the cup in 2008. Why he didn't pursue a professional soccer career remains a mystery. (laughs) Sir Arthur Kevin (laughs) Doyle. That's probably why he started writing Sherlock. Exactly. Michael Jordan. Yes. One of the, if not the most famous basketball player of all times. Yes. Wore what number, Nick? Number 23. Yes. Very good, by the way. Well, I number win, 23. Do I win, do I win his, like a Michael Jordan jersey or something? What do I win? Well, his, his number is retired, of course. And uh-huh. the greatest of all time is shoes said 23. Everything said 23. Right. Well, he was on a road trip to play the Orlando Magic in Orlando, Florida. And some lunatic minutes before the game breaks into the visitor's locker room and steals all of Michael Jordan's clothes and jersey. Michael Jordan has to go out and play because it's a big game. And so one of the other players that wasn't playing lent him his jersey. And for one game, Michael Jordan wore the number 12. Wow. Did they ever catch the person who or persons who stole his stuff? Uh, He probably had Jordan's sneakers on and was able to run fast. Yes. (laughs) My guess would be that they did get caught, got arrested and spent 23 years in jail. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> that guy's the type of guy to take the shirt off his back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's a it's a field goal. Where did they go? There have been three Olympic Games over the many hundreds of thousands of years that the Olympic Games have been held. Three right. Olympic Games were held in countries that no longer exist today. Okay, what? the countries that have hosted the Olympics that are no longer exist are. German Reich, 1936. Okay, that's not fair, but go ahead. Okay, Summer Olympics. Yes. USSR in 1980, Winter Olympics, and Yugoslavia in 1984. So Yugoslavia is the only one that really doesn't exist at all. Right. Because Russia is USSR and Germany is Germany. But they were known as USSR. So the country known as USSR. Maybe that's how it is. Where did they have those games? (laughs) Unlichtenstein! Unheidi Klub! That is my torch! (laughs) I love when Heidi Klum plays with the torch. Yes. But anyway. (laughs) Yeah, you wish she she held your torch. You're listening. It's hot. (laughs) It's it's too hot to handle. Like this show, because you're listening to Totally Useless Information. With Nick and Roy. Throw away.
away your totally useless GPS. It's time for geography. So get lost with Nick and Roy. Yeah, you can just get the Im- images out of your out of your uh, your heads, guys um, and gals. Yeah, just get that image out of your head. Okay, it's too hot to handle. Speaking this of what happens when you're tired. Speaking of hands, that's floating in front of me. So <laughs> yeah, we're, we're on a Zoom call. That's how we're able to see each other. And this thing just flew by. I don't even know what that was. That wow. was some, like piece of something. Or yeah, other. a fluff or something. Wow, he's a fluffer. Green or something. Uh, speaking of hands-off, over the many years, Canada and Denmark have been f- playfully fighting for control of a tiny island near Greenland. I know this one. This is cool, folks. Listen it's to called this. Hans Island. And they leave something, right? But go ahead. Go Every ahead. once in a while, when officials from each country visit, they leave a bottle of their country's liqueur. Absolutely 100%. Now, it may sound surprising to you, the audience. So just so that you know, Roy and I... Do not discuss the facts that we're going to bring to the show every week. All we say is we're going to do the following topics, like today was history and sports, geography, and so on. We only discuss the topics. We do not tell each other what the facts are. So the fact that Roy knew this is not because he knew what I was going to say, because he never knows what I'm going to say. And thank goodness no, for honestly, that. the reason I knew it is because most people don't know this, too. We're, we're on a, a serious XM show, uh, a weekly and so, and it has to do with Canada. So we come up with Canada facts, right. Canadian facts. Yes. And so this was one of the Canadian facts that I was going to use next week. Thank Nick. Thanks, Nick, for yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, it's your fact. <laughs> That's right. Every every Tuesday afternoon at one thirty Eastern time, you go to Sirius XM channel one sixty seven Canada now with host Jeff Samet. It's yeah. a lot of fun, and uh, we do uh, useless Canadian information. Saudi Arabia is the only country that has not one river. Not one. Oh. Every other country in the world has at least one river that runs in it or through it. But Saudi Arabia has none. It just goes to prove all the oil in the world and not a drop of water. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. It's like, Look, hey, I'll fill my car up, okay, and I'll give you a bottle of water. <laughs> What's this? Right. They'll say, cry me a river. I can't. We don't have any. <laughs> you could say, though, that Saudi Arabia has a gas problem. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no gas shortage in our households, that's for sure. The state of Alaska is 429 times larger than the state of Rhode Island. But Rhode Island has a significantly larger population than Alaska. Alaska has a longer coastline than all of the other 49 states put together. And yet, Rhode Island has a larger population than Alaska. Cool. And because we don't tell each other, I'm going to do this one. Okay. The largest city in the U.S., New York City, right? Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, forget about it. New York City is not. It's Sitka, Alaska. That's the largest landmass, by the way. Okay. It's the largest landmass of any U.S. city, 2,800 square miles, opposed to New York, which is only 302 square miles, New York City. So you can imagine how much bigger it is. It only has 10,000 people, though. 
<laughs> okay, so yeah. it's got nobody living there. It makes Canada look very congested. Then coming in a close second is Wrangell, Alaska, 2,500 square miles and only 2,300 <laughs> residents. So there's a thousand square miles for each resident that lives there. Here, take this. This is for you. <laughs> there you go. Wow. Uh, that is that is a lot of territory for a little amount of people. So. It is. So we all know the iconic Colosseum in Rome, in Italy. Italy's culture it ministry. Hmm? It was named? Is that what you're going to say? What it no, was named? no, not at all. Do you know the Colosseum was named for a statue called Colossus? I know that now. Okay, go ahead. There you go. <laughs> More useless information on totally useless information with Nick and Roy. Italy's culture ministry has launched 18.5 million euros to rebuild the arena floor in the Colosseum, cool. rendering the way it was until being fully exposed about a century ago. It will allow visitors to enjoy views from the amphitheater center and to host high-level cultural events. Cool. In, the, in the days of Imperial Rome. Imagine having a party in there. I mean, wow. Yeah. So you're having a party at the Coliseum. You mean like the movie theater? No, the Coliseum. Coliseum. That's right. And then just for fun, the lions come out and eat everybody. Yeah. <laughs> now, in the days of Imperial Rome that Roy's referring to, <laughs> the sand-covered wooden arena floor was built over the network of tunnels and cells where animals and gladiators were caged before the contests began. So they're going to redo the Italian Coliseum, check it out in a few years' time. They also believe, I, I think, that there was canals built in there that, so that they could flood and put boats in there, too. So they could actually have, like, gondolas going around while they were... This is crazy, yeah, the right? World's, I mean, the world's first multi-purpose arena. The Italians were pretty wild. They were, yeah. We said on a previous show that the Archipelagos Islands of the Philippines, you try saying that 10 times, Archipelagos Islands. How about saying it once slow? Yeah. <laughs> the Archipelagos Islands of the Philippines had 7,107 islands total. But scientists have used satellite imagery to recount the islands and they now, lo and behold, found out there's 7,641. What? For a total of 534 more islands were found using satellite imagery. So we have pictures recently from the surface of Mars, but these idiots can't count how many islands by 500 <laughs> they were off on the Earth. I mean, not. can you give me a break? So wait a second. So we're looking at pictures sent mm. by a satellite from Mars. Right. And we can't count the islands unless we use a satellite that's flying probably by Mars to right. count the islands. Right. <laughs> okay. You, Very confusing. It is. You can count on them not knowing what the hell's going on. Uh, so what is that German town you often uh, quote on the show? And they all come to go to Liechtenstein, Liechtenstein. Liechtenstein and Switzerland are very similar. Oh, yes, they are. They share a currency, a language. Und Sauerbraten. An American ambassador, a television network. Und Heidi Klum, und the noise that you just had. <laughs> yes, that was a bright idea. Once they share a Heidi Klum. No, they don't share Heidi Klum. <laughs> they share an American ambassador, a television network, a telephone system, and a military. 
Also, 13,900 of their 32,000 workers commute daily from Switzerland, Germany, or Austria. Only 18,500 Liechtenstein laborers are actual Liechtensteiners. What? So of Where the, are they from? <laughs> Why don't they have the papers? Switzerland, Germany, or Austria. <laughs> that's, that's where they're coming from. <laughs> Istanbul is the only major city, get ready, yes. that rests yes. on two separate continents. What? Yes. Can't make up it rests mind. on both the European and the Asian continent. So it literally, Istanbul is on two separate continents. It's the only major city. It has 14 million people, oh. which shocked me. I didn't think so. It's more than 2,000 years old. It was around during the Roman, Byzantine, and Ottoman empires. Amazing. Istanbul, two separate continents. Bernice, there's one for you. There you go, Bernice. <laughs> Thank you, Bernice. And uh, the Ottoman Empire, is that when they had their feet up the whole time? Oh, sure. Yes, a big comfy chair and an ottoman. There you go. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Today we covered geography, sports, a little bit of history, and inventions. It's time for the news. And now, from around the corner and around the world, this is TUI News. A massive pileup on an icy highway northeast of Montreal yielded an impromptu game of hockey. A group of people involved in a massive pileup on Highway 40 near Quebec, about 45 kilometers northeast of Montreal. They waited for emergency crews to reopen the road, and guess what? A hockey game broke out. Of course, it's in Canada. Several yeah. people, unfortunately, suffered minor injuries as a result of the accident, which caused the highway to be closed for several hours. Between 40 and 50 cars were involved in the enormous collision. No word yet on the ailments sustained during the intense game of hockey, though, but they pulled a shitty. And that's all the time we have for this week's Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Thank you for listening. We'll scour the internet far and wide to get more useless information so for you guys. Tell a friend about the trend and go to www.nickandroy.com and leave us a message. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening.